Hello and welcome to Top Deck Insight, our podcast on everything Magic the Gathering. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Josh and Sam. Now before we jump into the episode, I'd just like to say if you like what we do and would like to support us, you can follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's jump into the episode. Since the last episode of this show, a lot of magic news has come out, and I'm sure many of you know that Strixhaven, a majority of it, has been spoiled. We are currently in spoiler season for the next set of Magic the Gathering, next expansion. Uh, have you guys had any time to look at them? I have, yeah. I've, I, you know, I might be a little bit behind on spoilers, but I mm-hmm. think I've seen most of the most of the big stuff. Yeah, uh, It's definitely exciting. I really like spoiler season. Spoiler season is always fun. Uh, it's always really fun to sort of speculate as well on on what standard is going to be like because uh, I, f- I find that we're often really really wrong. Like even the most experienced players can can look at the whole spoiler for a set and have no idea how good certain cards are mm-hmm. uh, in in both constructed and in limited. Um, and so spoiler season is exciting. Uh, you know, seeing people brewing decks and trying to find new combos without really getting to see how the cards all interact together. Uh, it's super fun. I, I like spoiler season a lot. You know, I feel like there's been a bit of a lull in good magic news past yeah, few weeks. Yeah, the past few weeks. Um, but spoiler season and then leading up to pre-release is kind of the build-up and then the epic climax of the peak of the magic experience. That's very poetic. Yeah, I like it. Did any of it rhyme? No. Well, poems don't rhyme? have to rhyme. Josh. How basic don't. of you! You should go to Strixhaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are the poets? The Black Prismari. Uh, Silver no, Silverquill. Silver Silver yes. yes. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of so today we should just uh, let you guys know that today is Sunday. So any of these spoilers that we know about what will Sunday be from. Is it? Huh. What Sunday? What Sunday? Oh God. Uh, they don't the know, do they? That's a good point. It's the Sunday <laughs> the twenty eighth. Yeah. Um so the cards that we'll be talking about and or know about will be from Sunday twenty eighth before. Um Yeah, do you guys have anything you wanna bring up? Like or any significant card that you've looked at? Anything you're excited for? Uh well, I think that what am I excited about from from Strixhaven? Is it maybe just like the overall I think the, set? I think the Magecraft mechanic looks very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that I, I like the how thematic that is as well. Because Magecraft mm-hmm. is kind of pushing spell slinger. It's about throwing a bunch of spells multiple on a turn. Instants and sorceries. Instants and sorceries, gotta, yeah. specifically. We, we, have to, we, we tend to mix that up with spells. Yes. Spells yes. are different yeah. to instants and sorceries. Um, but spell slinger decks, mm-hmm. so yeah, confusingly, spells in Magic the Gathering or anything, mm-hmm. uh, but spell slinger decks tend to be heavy on the instants and sorceries. Um, and it seems like Strixhaven, with the Magecraft mechanic, is going to be, uh, it's going to give a lot of tools to spell slinger strategies. And I think that's pretty thematic with the kind of um, magical school trope, because mm-hmm. whilst everything in Magic is a spell, the kind of spells that you cast when you're uh, in a witch or wizarding school is maybe what you would consider an instant or sorcery in the magic universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not summoning creatures so much to fight by your side. It's more like, uh, uh, you know, throwing magic back and forth between your opponent. Um, and so I think that Magecraft is thematic. I yeah. think that it's, uh, I think it's a cool strategy. I like Spellslinger strategies. Um, I'm more definitely more of a sort of, control tempo player in my in my element than a stompy player so mm-hmm. i think uh uh you know this time last year we had ikoria which yeah. was yeah. just totally not my vibe okay. um but i think that uh, i think strixhaven has the potential to definitely appeal to the sort of the the spell slinger mage in me there yeah that's go. understandable um well i think in terms of the yeah, like Magecraft is one of the mechanics. The, the first thing that was spoiled was Professor Onyx, mm. uh, which is Liliana, uh, Liliana Planeswalker card, and she did have the Magecraft ability. So when when that was first spoiled, I initially thought that Magecraft was every time you cast an instant sorcery, opponent loses two life, you gain two life. Yeah. I thought that was insane. 
Uh, I thought that'd be a really good mechanic, uh, but as it as we've now seen in the spoilers, it's not that. Magecraft is just when an instant or sorcery is cast or copied, and then it's a separate... There is an effect, and the, the effect, effect varies, yeah. yeah. Uh, for example, some of them say, Magecraft, draw a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magecraft, create a 1-1 one, one or something. Yeah. Um, which would mean every time an instant or sorcery is cast or copied, you make a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like a really interesting mechanic. Uh, the other mechanic we've seen as well, I'm not sure if this is a mechanic, more, it's a keyword, I think. Uh, lesson? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, lesson. Uh, lesson, lesson. Is, a, is a type, is a card yeah, type. Yeah, a card type. type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, so not a, not a mechanic. Um, I'm not too excited about it, I don't think. No? I don't think anything has really, we, obviously we haven't had the full spoiler, but all of the lesson cards so far have been pretty lame. They have been pretty lame, yeah. um, but I think that they could have an impact on, on the game. So I think a couple of scenarios where they could make a difference is uh, there is a there is a two mana um, a two mana creature in the set with the keyword learn. Uh, learn allows you to find a lesson yes. from outside the game and put it into your hand. Yeah. So in constructed standard, that enables say. Uh, so best of one mono white decks mm-hmm. that enables them to play this card with learn and then possibly pull a lesson out of their sideboard that helps them in the scenario that they're in. Yeah. You know, it, it, whilst they're not very powerful and they're fairly overcosted, they're overcosted average spells, they are colorless and they are flexible and there seems to be some built in mechanics which allow you to tutor them. And we have seen. In the past, cards which look underpowered on the surface, mm. but seem, uh, but, but are actually in play, are very good because of the flexibility that they allow. Um, yeah. Like cards like, I mean, the adventure creatures are one. Stomp is on its own not as good as shock, shock. or frostbite. Yeah. Um, and a three mana four three with bone crusher giant's ability, bone crusher giant by itself is not as good as other three drops in the format. Mm-hmm. It's the flexibility yeah. of yeah, having both. Yeah. So if you're if you have a learn deck and that allows you to kind of fetch up the lesson that you need at that time, I can see that being good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the lessons is exile target non land permanent. Yeah, um, five mana for five mana, which is a lot, yeah. but it is also a fetchable answer to anything and i yeah. think i think yeah. there is definitely a, a possibility that, that the the lessons will be good there i also think that in budget commander decks they could be good in the 99 okay. uh, because they're colorless you know you could uh, you could fit them into any deck i can see them making their way in um but of course you you can't make use of the learn mechanic you, in you, commander because yeah, you, you're yeah. not allowed a sideboard not in, allowed. yeah okay. so um Fetch a card from outside of the game. Wish mechanics, I guess, mm. I think they're called, are not not actually legal in Commander. Interesting. Um, but I think that the lessons could make their way into EDH. And I think that it could be playable in in Standard. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think they probably could be good and limited as well. Because they can go in any deck. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, we, yeah, we have only seen one rare lesson which is the, the Liliana one, and it's something like it costs black X and you mm. remove X loyalty counters or something. Uh, so there's probably going to be some sort of cycle of rare lesson spells uh, or sorcery slash instance. That's uh, true. There could so be more. There could be more. Yeah. We've only seen terrible ones so far mm-hmm. uh, or low power ones, but yeah, the the ceiling is still open. Yeah, like we've seen the introduction cycle, I mm-hmm. guess you could call them. They're all like introduction to prophecy and... Uh, and things like that um, and I think again thematically they're pretty good like mm-hmm. their introductions which is why they're colorless because yeah they're yes, like they... they're compulsory classes everybody has to do them <laughs> yeah they don't yeah. They, the, the students don't choose which mm-hmm. color they want to be until they've done that class which is yeah the, it, it's it's good flavor mm-hmm. um, and yes you're right they they actually could be more powerful lessons um, I wonder whether the learn mechanic will be spread around the color pie or whether it will be focused around white uh, because yeah, that could be in white. yeah we've yeah. only seen it in white so far but we've only i think we've only seen one card with learn or maybe two there's been a couple a couple there's been a there's been actually a red card i'm pretty sure okay yeah, yeah. i think there was Enthusiastic a red card study yeah 
go, guys. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> Enthusiastic um, study. It would make sense, given that it's called Learn, for... Oh, there's one in green as well. Oh, okay, so yeah, it so seems it to be like it's... spread around the colour pie. I did see an opportunity for white to get something powerful and actually... Yeah. White has compete. enough power now. I feel like Kaldheim has been brilliant for white. Yeah, white's doing good. And Zendikar. Doing good right yeah. now. But it's different, I think. Uh, like, I think that Learn wouldn't really fit into the mono-white deck as it is right now. No, yeah. Um, it would be a kind of a different way to play white other than just mono-white weenies. Aggro. Aggro. Yeah. Uh, you know, red, you can play... Ag- red aggro and that's probably the best version mm-hmm. you can play big red if you yeah. want with mm-hmm. ugin as a top end if, if you want and it's still a deck uh it's still playable mm-hmm. white really isn't playable outside of uh outside of yeah at the aggro. moment i would say the two white decks would be life gain aggro or just aggro mm. um mm. there is another mechanic that we've seen oh yeah uh ward which makes it so that if you if an opponent wants to target a creature with a ward with a spell or ability, they have to pay a certain amount of mana. Ward yeah. two, two mana. So this could lead to um, pseudo bogles. <laughs> uh, I really like the ability. I think it's a powerful ability. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see. It just makes your creatures a lot stickier, mm-hmm. uh, a lot less targetable by things like, well, in like historic like mayhem devil pings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just important things like that. Mm-hmm. Binding of the old god or binding, binding, binding the gods. The, binding the old. The binding old the old gods. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. It's binding the, the other old one gods. is binding, binding of, of the, the gods. gods. Right. We'll never get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Not until that card rotates. Uh, binding they, the rotate. old. Gods. No, they won't rotate at the same time. No, Theros will rotate Theros first this year. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, gosh, that that annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, binding the old gods. Other important things in standard right now. Um, yeah, Ward is going to be really nice. I think so. I think that uh, if it leads to a playable mono green Bogles deck, mm-hmm. that would be cool in There's standard. Blue Ward creatures as well, I think. Yes, they have. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Simic Bogles. It so will. Pauper deck. Yeah. It, it will definitely be strong against burn decks. There aren't really. There isn't much burn in the yeah, format. Yeah, burn, now burn anyway. isn't. Not technic- in standard. Not in standard. It's quite prominent in historic. Mm. Um, but yeah, less so in standard. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's all the mechanics. Uh, you wanted to talk about the secret archives. Is that what it's called? Strixhaven archives. Strixhaven archives. Yeah. So Strixhaven archives is a, is not a standard legal set of cards. It is mostly just sort of alternate art reprints. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think it's all alternate art reprints. Yes. Yeah. They're it's all reprints. All reprints of old cards that are very powerful cards, uh, and they will be coming to historic on arena. Aside from seven, which they've added to the ban list because they are just overpowered cards, mm-hmm. uh, they would warp the format. Things like Demonic Tutor, Dark Ritual, yeah. Source of Plowshares, Channel. Um, I, those are only four of the seven I can remember. Uh, but yeah, the other than that, there are some really powerful cards coming to Historic. It's almost like a Historic Anthology again. Mm-hmm. We've just had Historic Anthology four, which brought things like Death Shadow and um, Thraven Inspector and other cool things. And yeah, this is, is it's really exciting for historic. We're getting a huge. I think it's going to be a huge warp, a time warp, you could say, because that is one of the cards that is coming <laughs> yeah. to historic, and that I think is going to warp the format a lot. Yeah, definitely. Historic seems like it's fun right now. Mm-hmm. I just wish it was more accessible. I, I, I yeah, wish, if you could play it not on arena, and if you could mm-hmm. get cards for it more easily. Yeah, yeah, because the way they do it on arena is with packs, but there's no incentive to buy packs just just to, it's, it's, it's a bad model right now mm-hmm. um especially because there's no like battle pass or anything as well for yeah. the older sets so having access to the older cards is a lot harder yes than... uh but historic does seem like it's in a pretty cool place it's getting mm-hmm. some really fun stuff mm-hmm. um not all the cards in strixhaven archive are powerful like Divine Gambit, I think, is yeah, getting reprinted. Yeah, most of them are artwork reprints or yeah. redo- redos. And not all of the artwork is really, really cool. No. Um, like <laughs> Faith of Sleeping. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that <laughs> whether art is good or not is kind of down to the intentions of the artist. Yeah. Right. So... Um, <laughs> this card is ridiculous. The, the, the artwork is 
so ridiculous. If the artist was trying to create something that was absolutely absurd, they did a, they smashed they it. Smashed it. Yeah. They smashed it. Maybe they just want to stand out from so, all the other art. A common theme with, with take the a look here. Let me just des- let me describe it real quick. Yeah. So there is a what seems like a, a photorealistic image of a naked white guy mm-hmm. mm. um, with sort of like block coloured uh, clothes. So he has a, uh, a shoulderless, strapless dress with mm-hmm. a with a dark, uh, a deep cut V to show off his cleavage, which he doesn't have mm-hmm. because he's a skinny white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a black hood on. Nothing attached to the hood, just the hood. Just the hood. Uh, he's holding a bowl of fire in one hand, <laughs> and he's pouring a bowl of blood from the other hand. And there's kind of like a stained glass effect on the background. Um, Have you seen the art without the card? Like, without the card? Oh, the full art. Yeah, no, I, I saw this today on Twitter. Let me find it. So, yeah, it... what in any of the things that I've just described? Here it is. So that's the, that's the full art. I don't know if that changes anything for you guys. It's, it's, it's quite it voluptuous. He's got hips. He has got hips. They, I guess, have got hips. It's it's the fact that the it's the realist it's the realism of the the human body. It, it's it's unsettling how it looks like it's just a straight up photo of a human, and then they've done like shapes, two yeah. D unshaded shapes for like the dress and stuff and the, all the other art. It's weird. Now, the original artwork for Faithless Looting, mm. if I were to describe that, I would say, well, it looks like um, a few guys, rioters, have broken into a building mm-hmm. and they seem to be acting pretty animalistically. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah. They're, what? The, uh, oh, the original Yeah, artwork. I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I don't really think... They're, they're looting this, faithlessly. This artwork, aside from it being really, really weird, how, how is it... How is it faithless looting? I don't know. Yeah, it it looks like I, I really, really would love to know what brief was given to this artist. Yeah, it seems like the the impression I get from this is that the artist asked what the brief was, and wizards came back to them and said, "I don't know, just fucking do something." Mm-hmm. Like, God, stop whining, get it- out, stop bothering me, and do the artwork. <laughs> And so, in a fit of malicious compliance, the the artist did this. I feel like they haven't been paid enough. <laughs> I think this is actually this artist's art style, though. Let's take a look at her Twitter. What is her Twitter handle? Uh... So her name is Carly Mazur. I think mm-hmm. I'm spelling that correctly. It's Carly with a Y. Uh, that's Y-A-R-L. No, it's... <laughs> Yali. It's C-A-R-L-Y. And then Mazur is M-A-Z-U-R. Carly Mazur. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes, that is not her Twitter, though. So. Yeah, so what's her Twitter handle? Carly Lady. Carly Lady. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and the artwork on there is, is like, this is her style? Well, yeah, there's some other stuff that is similar, which is basically real people with, like, Okay, uh, see, that looks cool. Yeah, I've, so I think the thing with Faithless Looting is it doesn't make sense for mm. the card, and it's also so different to all the other art styles that have come out for the cards yeah. in that mm-hmm. set, so I think when everybody saw it, it's quite it was jarring. Yeah. But it, that is fine. I think I, it's supposed to be. I, I, I really So looking at some of but, her other artwork... But Harmonize she, is quite chill. It's, like, yeah, it's the same yeah, style, so but it's, it's a lot more... This is what I mean. Looking at her other artwork, this is clearly her style. Yeah. Her pronouns, she, her. Do you know? Uh, she hasn't said. Doesn't say? Okay, let's assume. <laughs> um, oh, no. Uh, so, she clearly... Well, it's Carly Lady, so I guess we can assume it's she. Yeah. Um, so, she clearly works in this medium. And mm. she's done some really nice artwork, looking mm. through her Twitter very quickly, in this medium. Some stuff that looks really cool and pretty abstract and is using, like, the, the contrast between complete fiction and block colours and and the, and the real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so this artwork was made to elicit a reaction. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guarantee it. Um, and if that was the part of the reason why it was designed the way that it was, then... You can say it's really good, or you can say this is absolute trash and I hate it. <laughs> and both of those things are going to mean the same thing to 
Well, I think you can say that regardless. I don't think it actually matters what the artist meant to do. How you feel about art shouldn't be influenced by what the artist was meant to do. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they were trying to do. If you don't like it, you don't like it, and that's fine. Yes. What you shouldn't do is what some people have done, which is tweet her, tell her it's awful. Yeah, that is awful. (laughs) That is, yeah. There's no reason for that. Uh, However, I, I just, I really do feel like she will have expected it given the style that she decided to go for. Uh, because we've seen so much awesome stuff from her on her Twitter. Yeah. Um, that yeah, like, I really feel like, having seen some of her other work, this has to be intentional. It's still goofy, and it's still it just, absurd. It just, yeah, because I think um, looking But at that must have been what she was going for. Harmonise again. I th- cool. This is better. Like, this... The art actually mm-hmm. makes sense for what the card is. Harmonise that's sitting there, yeah, she's in like, the yoga pose. Yeah. yeah. I just don't get how this whatever is, art style yeah. that was. If that is the picture that came out, I don't understand what why that's faithless looting. I just, I just have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Like so, okay, all right. He's pouring one cup away. That could be like discarding your cards. He's burning another one. I don't know. But that, maybe that's, that's also like a, discarding. A, a source of that manner, yeah. maybe. Why <laughs> is the character wearing a dress? Why are they wearing a hood? Why do they have red eyes? And then the flavor text is... Uh, what is the flavor text? So the flavor text is, how did you get your hands on that? Wait, never mind. I don't want to know. That's a quote from Plague, the Dean of Lawhold. Okay. Now, what? I still don't understand after that flavor text what's yeah. going on in this card. So the, the flavor text kind of explains the whole... So with Strixhaven Archives, the, the it's in the name that... Strixhaven as a college or as a school has access to all of this information, which is what the Strixhaven archives are. You've seen things like the Inquisition of Kozilek mm-hmm. and as is Blah or something like that. They have, they know about all of like Dominaria and they know about all of the Phyrexians. Uh, it's all like knowledge that they've attained, which is which is why it's going to be an interesting set because they're not really like like when you look at Kaldheim, yeah. they're kind of in their own little world having their own sort yeah. of battles. I think Strixhaven are exploring and learning about so much yeah. of the entire multiverse. Which is incredible. Which and is incredible, Actually, yeah. I think that uh, this might be controversial. I wouldn't hate if uh, Strixhaven, for this reason, for the reason that it's kind of the linchpin of multiple different um, uh, uh, planes mm-hmm. right, right now, uh, I wouldn't mind if it became the linchpin of the story in the way that Ravnica has been. Because mm-hmm. Ravnica, I don't know how long it's going to be before we see Ravnica again. But, um, so it's, it reminds me of um, the Cosmere stories from uh, Brandon Sanderson. Um, I, will comp- I will avoid spoilers. Uh, but the Cosmere is... Uh, kind of a universe with a bunch of different worlds and it's all connected and there is one central um, scholarly body that studies all of the different worlds Mm. um, and that kind of serves as a linchpin for connecting all of the stories together uh, in in the early books in the the Cosmere and I see Strixhaven working the same way it's kind of it is like they have insight into all these different things that have happened in magic story and so I could see if Strixhaven becomes a like a a, a plane that we return to yeah we'll definitely see it again I think yeah Um, because with the planeswalkers that are on there now as well with Kazmina uh, Liliana and was it Will and Rowan yeah I think those are the only ones we've seen so far I think the Someone, I think I saw a theory that it's to do with Kazmina recruiting planeswalkers, uh, such as Will and Rowan, and maybe even Liliana, to do something about a Phyrexian invasion or something like that, uh, looking mm. for information at Strixhaven. So the theory that I've seen thrown around on Magic Law is that um, Kazmina isn't necessarily inherently good. No, yeah. Um, and that she may be trying to assemble or or as a part of an anti-Gatewatch. Uh, so the Gatewatch were the, uh, you know, I, I guess the classic good guy Marvel heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Avengers. Yeah, you've got like <laughs> Jace, Ajani, Nyssa, Chandra. Yeah. I think Liliana was in the Gatewatch. Was it? Gideon as well? Gideon, yeah. yeah. I'm not actually sure. Actually, my no, no, my no, magic no. lore is... Gideon was. 
but my magic lore is not totally up to scratch. Uh, but yeah, there's there's been some theories going around that Kazmina is assembling a sort of anti-gate watch, a dark gate watch of planeswalkers that are not necessarily good guys, mm. but have a purpose. Like they they want to achieve something. You know, it's not necessarily bad. Maybe it's to do with the Phyrexian invasion that we. I don't know if we'll see a Phyrexian in this set. Um, mm. I think maybe we could. I think Jingataxius could fit into this set. Yeah. So there has there has been a mention of. Not Jingataxius themselves, but of someone, a, a hooded figure on Strixhaven that has been... That's the Faithless Looting guy. Yeah, the, not the Faithless Looting guy necessarily, <laughs> but someone watch, has watch been Jin, trying to... Watch Jingataxius get spoiled, oh, and it's, gosh. this is and the artwork for it. It's the Faithless Looting guy, and then it all makes sense. It all makes sense, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's there's been uh, speculation that a Phyrexian has been roaming, uh, has been looking for the information that the Strixhaven College has because they have so much mm. uh, that's just completely mind-blowing to anyone that lives there because it's just like all these different planes and multiverses um, so it makes sense that it's a bit of a convergence point for yeah. planeswalkers and Phyrexians right now so maybe we'll see something I don't know um, it's, it's, it's exciting because it's we haven't had a uh, a set recently that's not just been focused on itself mm-hmm. like Theros, Ikoria have all been sort of story focused on that plane yeah I think Strixhaven is going to be exploring a bunch of other things yeah it yeah. would be cool to see kind of um uh maybe even characters from other sets older sets mm-hmm. showing up on Strixhaven not necessarily planeswalkers legendary creatures that kind of thing uh yeah I think that Strixhaven could fill the role that Ravnica has filled previously Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that Ravnica's totally gone. I would love to revisit Ravnica, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but, yeah, I think in the story, Strixhaven could kind of fit that slot. I'm interested to see how they'll move forward as well with, like, the colour pairings mm-hmm. and how they plan on... If, 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 like you said, Strixhaven becomes, like, the central focus point in the story, if they're going to use the, the new sort of interpretations of the colour pairs yeah. as mm-hmm. future... You know, inspiration, but maybe it'll sets. be maybe it'll be a rival school on the plane. Yeah, what's the plane called? Arcadios, Arcadios, oh, something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but maybe Strixhaven is like Eton or Harvard or something, <laughs> and then there'll be like okay. a council estate school, which is like Waterloo Road. Strixhaven the Academy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it'll be it'll be it'll be all of the ally colours, uh-huh. and it'll be really like. Just really bad chavis. and chavvy in okay. comparison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Give me some God. examples. Oh, well, um, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Those are just all the creatures, but with gold chains. Tyrannica, uh, a crow and veteran. Tyrannica is a pretty chavvy name. Tyrannica. Oh, wow. Tyrannica. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you ever? No, no. <laughs> well, I've never heard of any. What, 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 what if you pronounce it Taranika? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh no! Um, I'm not sure where this is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, right. does, she doesn't um, look chavvy. Well, obviously not on Theros, no. Well, I didn't know where she was from. Maybe she does look chavvy if you're ancient Greek. Yeah. If there are any ancient Greeks listening, Mm -hmm. tell us if Tyrannica looks like a chav. Yeah, if she's a bit of an outcast, socially, Mm. you know, she might be. So we played some pauper Mm -hmm. this weekend, although we did it so me and you could play Sammy, and we didn't actually play each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't (laughs) realise No, it was when you left, I was like... I didn't actually play Sammy, and that was the whole reason we were doing it. But anyway, we can play again. Yeah, we got to see each other's decks, which we is did. why I wanted to. Um, yes, your deck's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had a lot of pauper magic this uh, yesterday. A little pauper party. A little pauper, pauper party. party. Not to be confused with the deck list yep. of mono black <laughs> pauper party. Um, so that's yeah. a little, little in-joke. Yes. Um, one time Sam messaged me with just a message that said, what do you think about pauper party? Question mark. And I responded back with, uh, when? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that he was inviting me to a, to a party, party to play pauper, uh-huh. uh, which sounded great. Yeah. In fact, what Sam was asking was, what do you think about 
a pauper deck <laughs> based around the party mechanic. Um, oh, that was brilliant. So I then proceeded to stay off social media for two weeks and <laughs> pretend that I didn't exist <laughs> in embarrassment. Uh, well, we had a pauper party but, as well, so it's yes. fine. Yeah, yeah, Sam invited himself to say. a pauper party <laughs> at mine. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Um, but yes, we had we had a pauper party. We did. We did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So the, I've only recently built my deck. I built mono green pauper, um, and I proxied a couple Quarion rangers just because they're a little bit too expensive, and I didn't know if I went to commit to buying mm. the expensive part of the deck just yet. Um, really, really fun list. Really powerful list. It essentially is a stompy list, but runs like a two mana. Is the highest curve, pretty much. Uh, two mana is the hi- the highest mana cost for a creature, which is great. It's really efficient. It runs really quickly, can kill really quickly. It's very. It has a lot of longevity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of your cards stick around. Um, you have like River Bow that has regenerate. You have Rancor, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Rancor is a one mana enchantment that gives your creature plus two, plus zero, and trample. And if it were to go into the graveyard, instead it goes to your hand. So if it goes from the battlefield, from the battlefield yeah. to the graveyard. Yeah, so if you counter it or something, it yeah, yeah, does stay in the graveyard. But if you if they're countering your one mana enchantment, you're good. You're yeah. chilling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really, it's a really nice list. Really powerful. Haven't lost with it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just it was, it was a lot of fun. What were you playing, Sarah? Uh, I played two decks so both of my pauper decks the first one was just blue white flyers mm-hmm. but that's pretty much all there is to say about it it's creatures that it's, fly it's blue and creatures white creatures flying it was one you made yourself right yeah i just wanted to play i just wanted to play blue actually yeah. was the reason behind it and then i just decided on blue white flyers and then we did we even look at some deck lists or did we just kind of make something uh i looked at a bunch of deck lists and kind of I did a bunch of research for that deck, and actually, I think I'm quite insulted that, <laughs> that there's not a whole lot to say about it except that it's wow. I think there's a lot of interaction in the deck. Mm. Mm. You've got you've got card draw, you've got ramp spells, you've got um, <laughs> you've got interaction in the form of like mist ravens. Uh, you've got bone splitter as a like a really aggressive finisher, which is pretty rare. Uh, it's cool to see a, a deck where blow, bone splitter is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Worm Fang Drake, which I think is a really, really fascinating place in the deck. Um, it's a 3-4 with flying. Mm-hmm. A 3-mana three 3-4 three, with flying, yeah, one which blue. is yeah. really good stats. Or um, two blue, I can't remember. One blue. Yeah, so it's blue and two. Two blue. <laughs> two, two and blue. It, guys, it is two and a blue. Two and a blue. I'm pretty one sure blue, that's two blue. That got two. very confusing. <laughs> that did. Um, I'm gonna Google it yeah, I thought we were talking about two blue pips. It is, yeah, it's two and blue. Uh, for a 3 4 with flying, which is a really good, uh, well statted creature, mm-hmm. especially at common. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside, I'm, and I'm air quotes, quotes downside, is that when it enters the battlefield, you have to exile a creature you control until Wormfang Drake leaves the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But in this deck, what that allows you to do uh, is um, exile. A creature, tuck it away under Wormfang Drake, and thus protect against board wipes. Mm-hmm. If you do get board wiped, you still get some creatures back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it when you find a card that has a downside and you turn it into an upside. Yeah, there's like a like Quirion Ranger. You know, mm-hmm. Quirion Ranger um, allows you to untap a creature you control at the cost of returning a forest to your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually not a downside if you play it right because you mm-hmm. can tap the forest untap a creature, bounce it back to your hand, play yeah, the forest, tap it again. Yeah. So your deck can function on far fewer lands. That's that's the thing. So the deck itself runs 17 lands mm-hmm. and never have I, ever, have I felt that it's been mana stuck. Uh, there was a game I played against Josh and I was I had a query on Ranger and one forest and I was able to survive like six turns on just one mana or one land. Just, so yeah. good. just from being able to play two mana creatures yeah. every turn. Um, it, was, it was really good. Yeah. Really nice card. I really like... Uh, in pauper especially where you're so limited uh, you, you know you've really got to strive for your advantages mm. in pauper 
um, because commons are normally not very powerful. Yeah. In modern and, and higher powered formats, you know, you can play your, your big mythics and rares and, and everything is really impactful. Mm-hmm. But in Pauper, you've really got to fight for those advantages. And, yeah. and I've seen that often done in Pauper by make, taking a downside and turning it into an upside. I always feel like Pauper is a less dominant format in that the, I think we mentioned this before on an episode, but that the card quality of like the top decks can be easily you know, you can easily out- outdo them yeah. with, with lower power decks. Yeah. With the flying deck, for example, um, like yeah, I was I was able to win matches against I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well that said, because I've only ever played paper pauper, mm. uh, I think that like I don't I haven't played much on MTG online or anything. Mm. Uh, I've never played against a Tron player. That's a good point. Yeah. And so I don't actually know how oppressive Tron is in the format. I know it's the top deck. I know that people complain about it a lot. Oh, okay. Um, and that it's not fun at all to play against, s- reportedly. You know, yeah. I'm, no, I'm not not throwing any shade at Tron players. <laughs> that just seems seems to be what I'm hearing. Uh, it could be that if I jump on MTG Online and play some Pauper, that Tron is just really oppressive and everything else is balanced. There's like one standout deck. Mm. Uh, that could be the case. That could be the case. I, I don't know. But from the decks that we've built, um, in our little pod and that we've been able to play over the course of lockdown it does seem balanced mm-hmm. yeah. it, it doesn't seem like anything is really oppressive no yeah but it can be explosive as well even though it's all commons it, it can really pack a punch uh, like your the mono green bogles deck can uh, stompy it's kind of bogle yeah, it's not mostly stompy. stompy okay fine it's mostly stompy <laughs> uh, yeah it, it can put a lot of power onto the board the flyers can be devastating with a bone splitter because yeah. you're trading off one ones uh, for all of your opponent's creatures and they, they have to keep trading if they mm-hmm. can if they can if block they it yeah um, and uh, so I tend to play a lot of affinity is one of my decks mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of I guess it's four colour affinity technically it's Jeskai there's one black card in the sideboard mm. um, and that can Sorry. explode <laughs> and uh, you can find a lot of free spells to cast uh, and it can draw a bunch of cards mm-hmm. on, and, and it can do all of that on so little mana uh, I, yeah I, I really like Pauper I feel like it's not it, it can be powerful it, it is a really powerful format but it's not obscene, you know. It's no, there's no, there's probably not any turn two wins. Yeah. Um, like there can be another. I was one. looking at a Tron list and not to buy, but I was looking at the list itself and I couldn't figure out how it actually worked in terms of how it <laughs> wins because it, it seems to be the Tron lands, which makes sense for like big ramping. Mm-hmm. But then it was just like a bunch of one-off spells. Yeah. Like and things effects. like yeah, uh, yeah, like, just so things that, that like deal through damage to a creature or destroy an artifact it just seemed like it was like a really really heavy control list with no real win card. it is a really heavy control yeah. list I don't actually know off the top of my head how it wins yeah uh, I, was, I, was looking, I didn't see it I don't know what the win condition win. is I'd need to look at a list I'd probably need to play against it mm, to see because mm. if it's one of those decks where it's just like control you until you concede then that's lame yeah I, I think that it is most of the time I'm sure no, they must like you yeah. might have to force them to win at some point and then they probably will yeah uh, but yes that's effectively it. It, it you will always be ready to concede before Tron kills you I don't think there are any surprise mm. wins mm. because yeah. um, like because we're in pauper there's no slammer <laughs> yeah. slammer nulamog <laughs> yeah um, like there is in modern Tron uh, I think it is a really heavy control list see mm. <laughs> why'd you whisper that i don't know i lost my voice a little bit <laughs> but yeah yeah either way i've been having a lot of fun with the popper deck and I'm looking forward to playing it more with you guys and mm. also looking more into it and magic online as mm-hmm. well um i'll look and yeah just to sort of get into the meta a bit more understand it a bit more yeah um just as an alternate format yeah i'm i'm super new to magic online uh, I did pick it up. I, I have installed it and I bought the premium Account upgrade, upgrade kit. Yeah. Upgrade kit, yeah, that's it. Um, and I, so I've looked a little bit into Magic Online. I've been pretty hesitant to try it out for a long time because, mm-hmm. okay, so I'll be candid uh, and I, I, I bear with me any fans of Magic Online, but it looks garbage. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it doesn't look good at yeah. all. And and so I kind of had avoided it, uh, but. Having now looked into it, I now believe 
two things. One, that it is the superior platform for Magic the Gathering. Uh, I think it's better than Arena. I think it's better than Paper. Mm. Um, and I will, I will explain my reasons. And two, the reason I thought it was trash was because Wizards is marketing it as such. Uh, they're not supporting it as much as they sh- could or should, and they're marketing it because it doesn't. They're marketing it badly. New players think it looks ugly because it's poorly marketed because it doesn't make them as much money as Arena does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is the superior way to enjoy Magic, uh, and there are a few reasons for that. Reason number one, uh, and probably most important to me, to be honest. Um, no plastic, no paper. Yeah. Uh, Magic Online has much, much less impact on the environment than Paper Magic does. Mm-hmm. Um, two, it's an eternal, uh, an eternal format. Almost all Magic cards are on there. Um, and, and three, there is actual value. So in Arena, if you accrue cards, if you accrue gems, that's no value to you. Mm-hmm. That That collection means nothing to you outside of arena mm. in paper it in online do you mean no in, oh, paper, in paper sorry. yeah in paper it can uh your collection is worth something but most people aren't willing to go through the logistics of selling their cards until they do it in one big go once they quit magic mm-hmm. yeah um most people uh and and by then you know you're it, it's not it's not easy like to, to sell cards and if you're not going to go through that effort then your collection has no value if you are not selling your cards if you are not actively managing the value of your collection then it has zero value uh monetary value that is of course it has value to you uh, it can have sentimental value mm-hmm. uh, but monetary value um if you're not selling your collection actively then it doesn't have monetary value uh, if you're not planning to sell it at some point. Magic Online, though, um, it works the same way. Cards have value. They have less value normally in Magic Online. They, they are worth a little bit less. Um, but they can be bought and sold instantly with no logistics, no packing fees, no waiting a few days for your cards mm. to be delivered. Um and at any time, you can trade all of your cards for event tickets, which is the currency of MTG Online, and you can tr- sell those um, uh, event tickets or ticks for uh, f- for actual cash. And you won't get a hundred percent of the, of the exchange. Like I think you'll get like ninety five, ninety six cents on the dollar. Mm. But you can at any time sell cards that you don't want. Uh, if you want to, around this time, you're not playing cards that are in standard right now, you want to sell them before they, they go down in value, you can just do it. It's so much easier. It's. It, uh, I think that, um, you know, there's a friends list. You can play four-player commander. You can cool. chat to people. These are all, like, basic, basic things <laughs> yeah. um, that allow you to actually play Magic the way that it's best, not best enjoyed. There is no best way to enjoy it. But the, the way that I like to enjoy it, which is with a focus on on the gathering as well, on being able to play mm-hmm. with friends, um, Arena just lacks so many basic functions of a game that MTG Online actually has. It doesn't look as pretty. It doesn't run as smooth. Um, but you have much more control of the game, uh, and there's much more of a focus on playing with the cards and with your friends than there is on just collecting. Because it's so easy to... Uh, to you know, to collect the the cards that you uh, that you actually want to play with, and then sell them whenever you need. Mm-hmm. On top of that, because of the way that Magic Online works, because it can be so quick to get and sell cards, there are systems in place uh, called loan systems, where you can say strike up a deal with Card Hoarder or uh, any other vendor of Magic cards, and you can take out a two hundred three hundred pound loan. And to maintain that loan will cost you, say, six pounds a week. It would all be in dollars, so I guess I'll use dollars. Six dollars a week. Two hundred dollar loan, six dollars a week. Um, so for by paying six dollars a week to this vendor, you get like a a value of two hundred dollars, and you can buy any any two hundred dollars worth of cards that you want from that vendor, 
and play them, whatever cards, whatever format. Uh, and you can play it for a week and then think, oh, I'm bored of this, sell them all back to that vendor, take out another $200 of cards. Uh, you can play that for 10 minutes, sell them all back, buy another $200 of cards. And so that is not something you can do in paper. And that allows you to explore a new format and experiment with different deck lists and different cards and kind of find the deck that you actually want to buy uh, a lot more easily. And of course, long term, long term, it's much better to just outright buy the cards that you want to play, but only if you know that you want to buy them. Like you mentioned yeah. earlier, Sam, about investing in the mm -hmm. more expensive cards in your monogreen pauper deck. Um, and it would be an investment. Loan systems would allow you to try it out, yeah. play with all those expensive cards before you buy. And uh, also gives other players access to those decks that cost like a thousand pounds upwards um you you know if you take out a big enough loan it would cost you more but you'd be able to play decks even if it was just for a week you know i'm gonna pay 50 pounds this week and i'm gonna play in this modern tournament with a 1200 deck mm. you could do that and then and then cut it back um, and so I think that for all those reasons, MTG Online honestly seems like the... So I haven't played enough of it, and so I can't really say this for certain, but it seems on paper <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the best format for me to uh, to enjoy Magic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can I can agree with that so far. Like, the all the problems that I have with Arena in the whole, like, economic side of it, it's it's almost as if wizards have split their capacity to make a good game yeah, into in two different platforms. And they've made Magic Online, and they thought, okay, let's also make Magic Arena, which is just going to be a huge money grab. Yeah. But and let's never pretty. merge the two, otherwise we won't get as much money. It mm -hmm. just feels annoying. It is. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. All of the shortcomings of Arena are fixed in MTG Online. Yeah. And all of the shortcomings of MTG Online are fixed in Arena. And it is so frustrating that they won't just commit and and make one platform. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, they are driven by their monetary gains mm. and Arena will continue to scam people. <laughs> oh, God, let's, let's not have that discussion yeah, again. Yeah, let's not have that one again. <laughs> um, but I really would consider anybody to give MTG Online a go. I, I honestly think it is the best platform for magic and if you can enjoy it and you can get used to it and you can get your friends to be using it as well it it seems like a no-brainer to me i also saw something as well on the last episode i was talking about how someone would get into sort of like professional events and things and mm -hmm. it is down to uh, how well you're doing ranked on arena as well as the championship qualifiers or something or tournaments on mtg online they're both okay. platforms that are available to everyone mm -hmm. for you to be able to go into sort of professional play yeah. so that's another thing that you wouldn't necessarily have have arena over uh, online for. yeah they, they, they both, both have the pathway it. to being able to play in those kind of professional events which is just yeah, yeah just mm. another thing i just want to point out wizards do they do support mtg online it's mm -hmm. not like they completely neglect it there's also you know if you're more of a paper player there's this system of redemption in mtg online mm -hmm. where if you collect one of every card in a new set and you let wizards know on their website and you can pay like $25, I think, mm -hmm. and they will ship you a paper copy of the set. Yeah, is it one of or four one of? of? One of. Mm -hmm. And they'll ship you one of each card. One of each card. That's really that's cool. For $25. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And if you, like, you, you've not lost value by getting them in online, in MTG Online, because you can cash it out if you want to. Yeah. Or do you keep the cards on, on MTG yeah. Online? Oh, yeah. Yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, it, it honestly seems like MTG Online was made by people who love magic and want to make yeah. magic available to as many people as possible mm -hmm. and want the game to be good, um, but they're not given all of the freedom that they require to do that, uh, and it seems like Arena was made by freelance game devs mm -hmm. that were yeah. hired to do a job. Um, like, Arena just... Is, is so good on the visuals. They do a really good job on the voice acting and the visuals and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and it, actually, um, it, feels, it feels fun to play Magic. On yeah, it does, room. yeah. It's a it very, very... It's a good Magic experience in that regard, but it lacks so much. It lacks so much interaction, and we've discussed this before. One of the things that I don't think we did mention 
is um, so it's Strixhaven Qualifier Weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably going on this weekend. I haven't actually is it watched this, any isn't of it. Called Cal-time. Championships this weekend. It's Caldheim Championship <laughs> Weekend. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you guys have watched much like esports magic, mm. but the interface is not good. It's terrible. It's, it's, I was going to talk about this yeah, as well. It's, it's the screen of the person that you're viewing and then the bottom strip of the screen of the opponent tacked yeah, onto the like top so you can hand. see their card. Their, oh. their cards, yeah. Um, but if they play anything like uh, uh, something in the graveyard or search their library, like co- you like can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I really don't think it would take much for them to simply create a spectator mode. Yes. In MTG Online, you can watch other people's games. Yeah. You hmm. can yeah, you, you can That's view cool. you can view other people's games as a spectator. If they added a spectator mode into arena, esports MTG esports would go so much more smoothly mm-hmm. for both us as viewers and the commentators. And it's also because the because there is no sort of spectator mode, the the player themselves have to stream the matches. Mm-hmm. And so that can be bad when they've got you know the internet drops and then the yeah. quality goes really yeah. bad mm-hmm. and it's just it's so poorly done it's really bizarre it is it's really bizarre that they have all of these features in mtg online but they've not put them in arena yeah yeah they well, why would to... they not put something like that in i don't know because that's, that's not a money I have no like idea. The other things i guess is you could attribute to them not it makes them less money yeah but, but that, yeah. that doesn't do anything other this than... is just them simply i don't want to pay to make yeah. this yeah it feels like they're just being lazy with it there's no reason for them not to mm-hmm. do this it would if, if it would if anything increase the quality of their you know streams and, and the quality of their esport it's like the decision was okay so we could work on spectator mode and that would improve the quality of mtg esports which might get more people to watch competitive magic which might get people to buy more magic cards mm-hmm. and that means we get more money or we could add this cosmetic for people to buy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that gets us more money and they go and do the cosmetic like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate that's where they're at it is that is where they're at uh, but if you can get past the visual side of it and the fact that it's a bit harder to learn how to use i think that mtg online is a much better platform yeah for playing magic with your friends i think it's i think it's pretty undisputable to be honest i mean yeah playing magic arena with your friends is terrible it's a terrible <laughs> experience <laughs> yeah just, oh, Okay, and see? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Woo! One more clap. <laughs> <laughs>